Hi friends, welcome to I Am Epiphany, where my guests and I share the epiphanies that come from our personal journeys. You will get to hear my thoughts on a wide range of topics from pop culture to social justice issues to simply navigating life as a Black millennial. I am your creator and host, author and speaker Bethany Epiphany, and it is my pleasure to welcome you back. Hey peeps, welcome back. Thank you for tuning in. It is I, Bethany Epiphany. Good to have you back. Question. Are any of you watching Married at First Sight? Why not? I need to have a debrief group. For those of you who are watching Married at First Sight, one word. Johnny. What the fuck is wrong with Johnny? Poor Bao. The thing about Married at First Sight is that when they interview people to be on the show, they don't go deep enough. And realistically, that would be hard to do. But these people bring their best selves to the interview. They do not divulge all of their crazy because most of them aren't even aware of their crazy. The professionals end up matching people together who haven't worked on their shit, have them marry each other, move in together, have sex, and then shit explodes. And I am watching every episode, okay? But let me know if you watch it. Also, let me know if any of you watch um, Ready to Love, which is another dating show that is on own and it focuses on black singles the new season has just started let me know if you're watching like it's already a mess um but let me know i think it's just interesting you have all these um dating shows on Ooh, excuse the noise in the background y'all um but i think it's interesting that we have all these dating shows and I'm just like what the freak is wrong with us and we're not able to like we need help matching we need help being vulnerable and open with each other like it's just interesting to have all these different dating shows from The Bachelor to Ready to Love, Married at First Sight, um, Put a Ring on It, um, there's and there's a few other dating shows like on Netflix. Anyway, that's besides the point. Um, now some of you know this already, but we have some newbies. So to all my newbies, I am all about self care, and self care for me can involve doing fun activities, of course. And one of my many fun activities is rollerblading and roller skating which began over the summer. And I must distinguish rollerblading from roller skating because rollerblading, in my opinion, is way easier than roller skating. With roller skating, when I first started, it felt like I was like on an ice skating rink. Like, so I could just fall so, so much faster. Um, I don't know what it is about the roller skates, but they had me all off balance. Um, But I've been rollerblading and roller skating around my neighborhood. Um, Empty parking lots are great. Shout out to the parking lots at Cal State Dominguez. You don't know that I'm like roller skating all around your campus, but that's okay. Um, 
but I recently went to an outdoor pop-up rink in Long Beach. Um, it was off of 2nd and PCH, so in the big shopping mall. It was super cute. It was clean. People had their mask on. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it was hip-hop night, so we decided to go. And it was cool watching the veteran skaters, many of whom were of the Caucasian persuasion. I was like, okay, okay, I see you. Like they were out there rolling, honey, and I was here for, I said, okay, I see you out here. Um, It was fun. I was the only one out there with knee pads and wrist guards. And at first I was like, should I put these on? Like I had an insecure moment. Like I don't want to look like a dork or like I don't know what I'm doing. Like I want to be one of the cool kids. And then I thought, bitch, you don't know what you're doing. Like you're a newbie. And if I fall on my face and hurt myself, is anyone here going to help me? Like, will they be paying my medical bill? Nope. So I popped those knee pads on boo and I got my skate on. And what I realized is that the reason I enjoy skating, like aside from it being a fun activity and a nice little workout, my thighs, okay, burning, okay, burning. When I looked around the room, like the skaters and everybody, well, I was looking at the legs some strong legs out there okay you got to have some good old strong thighs to be uh, working these skates but aside from it being a fun activity the reason I enjoy it is because there's something meditative about it like I was as I was skating around the pop-up rink gliding with the music playing in the background the wind in my face And you feel the energy of the people around you who are moving in the same direction. And you're going around and around in this circle. And it's this repetitive, rhythmic movement that becomes very meditative. It's meditative because it requires you to be present, right? Whether you are in a pop-up rink or you are gliding solo, Like, it requires you to be present. Even the most seasoned skaters can fall and bust their ass if they are not present. It it takes you out of the incessant chatter of the mind and puts you into the moment, and I like that. And there's, like, this subculture of roller skaters that's really cool that I was not privy to before. And um, I met this girl... Now that I've locked my hair, I feel like I'm just seeing all these people with locks now. And when I got to the pop-up rink, the girl who was helping, you know, giving tickets, she was a black girl and she was um, rocking her natural hair, but she had started her lock process, but her locks were um, very unique, very different. I'm like, oh my gosh, you locking your hair? She was like, yeah, that's me too. I was like, oh my God. I was like, your hair looks so great. And I just love like those little moments, uh, where I can connect with someone, um, and where our journeys are, are parallel, but that was cool. Um, I met another girl 
at the rink and she was really friendly, which was nice, but she got a little too comfortable. She like, uh, our interaction begins with me complimenting her. Again, here's this another uh, young black woman and she has this rainbow colored hair and her skates are like really dope. And I'm just like, oh, I love your hair. And we kind of get into this little um, idle chit chat. Um, But again, she gets a little too comfortable and she like aggressively leans in for me to shake her hand and me not thinking like I shake her hand and I immediately was like, oh no, oh no, oh no, I made contact, oh no, skin to skin, oh no, stranger, oh no. I was like, oh my God, my hands, they're infected. Like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Like, who in the world is shaking hands during a panorama? Like, who? Not me? Not I? Who is shaking hands? Are y'all shaking hands and nobody's telling me? Do y'all shake hands? Listen, if I don't know you, I do not want to shake your hand, boo. I don't. I'm a bumping elbows type of girl, okay? I didn't like shaking people's hands before the pandemic, so I definitely don't like shaking hands while still in the midst of a Pantene Pro-V. Like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And in the words of Monica, don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. Baby, 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 don't take it personal. It's not you, it's me, okay? It's all, it's all me, yeah. Germ City, yeah. Ugh. And so the next day, the next day I woke up, right? After having gone to the skating rink and met this girl, eh, pause, re- rewind. So after she leans in for me to shake her hand, like again, getting too comfortable, after some time, like, she just hangs around me and my friend, which is cool, but she takes her mask off and starts talking. I said, oh, no. Is that is that words coming out of your mouth? Words that are not masked? Like, are you breathing hot breath in my direction, girl? Like, I was done. I immediately shut down. I was like, girl, if you don't put your mask back on, if you want to talk to me without your mask, I need you to be at least six feet away, at least six feet away. But I didn't say any of this. You know what I'm saying? Because I didn't want to be mean. I didn't want to be rude. I did not want to be rude, but I should have said something. I should have been like, excuse me, like, could you put your mask up? Or, you know, I should have in my need to or my desire to not hurt anyone's feelings or hurt her feelings, I was silent. But it made me uncomfortable, and I should not have done that. So learn from me. If you are uncomfortable with something, just say that. Um, so the next day, <laughs> I wake up, and I have a headache. And I never get headaches. I have a headache, and on top of that, I'm just really hot. I'm like, why am I so hot? Like, what's going on? And I'm like, oh my God, do I have a fever? Oh my God, did she give me the Rona? And I start like freaking out. 
And I'm just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Come to find out, you know, it was actually like 90 degrees that day. And I don't be checking the weather like that. So um, I could have just been dehydrated, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying, uh, wear your mask, okay? And I don't, I don't want to shake your hand. Um, anyways, in other news, um, I went to Bruce's Beach over the weekend. And if you don't know about Bruce's Beach, go ahead and listen to the previous podcast or you can Google it. But I went to Bruce's Beach and it is nice. It's nice. We're talking about prime beach real estate. And to think that a black couple purchased this land and built a resort for black people that the city took away, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like that land is worth millions of dollars. And not only was that black resort there, but there are other uh, black homes in that same area. So just to think about what it could have been had it not been taken away. And it's crazy how, how our things get taken, how black people's things get taken. But it's also crazy how black history gets bulldozed and no one knows, right? Like what else don't we know about? What else was taken? It's scary how easily history can be rewritten. But, you know, go on and check out Bruce's Beach if you are in the Manhattan Beach area, okay? Don't be shamefaced it either, okay? If you if you black, you person of color, you go on to Bruce's Beach, okay? And you lay on the grassy knoll and you dip your toe in the water, you... You just be fantastic, okay? So go check it out. Um, also, it has officially been two weeks since I started my lock journey. It's starting to look and feel more like locks, like my hair hasn't completely locked yet, but I'm noticing some budding. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to wear my hair while it's in this starter lock phase. I have been rocking hats and wraps and getting accustomed to this new look. And I go back and forth between missing my hair and also enjoying the, the convenience of the style and just being able to like get up and go. But yeah, I go back and forth between what I once was or what my hair once was and what it is evolving into. And it's it's an interesting position to be in. Um, and I, I think it kind of represents where I am now, like along this healing journey, this healing path where a part of me longs for the person I used to be like 2019 Bethany like badass popping like on top of the world and this new Bethany that I'm 
learning and understanding and it's just an interesting position to to be in um so I'll keep you all updated um as I'm getting accustomed to the transition and the look and how I feel about myself and um so yeah I'll keep you all posted on that um as you all know I'm a big advocate for therapy and prioritizing mental health, and I'm so excited to have an actual therapist join me in conversation this week. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break. All right, friends, we are back from the break, and it is time for me to introduce my special guest, Buki Adiinka. Buki is a Nigerian-American entrepreneur with a focus on storytelling and story listening. The current avenues for her passions are as a therapist and through her balloon decor and event styling business. Buki loves that her passions give her many opportunities to connect with her physical community, which is in Chicago, and her extended community, many of whom are based in California. To learn more about Buki and her passions and perspective, you can follow her on Instagram, at Balloons by Buki. That's B-A-L-L-O-N-S-B-Y-B-U-K-K-Y. Or you can hashtag Balloons by Buki. Again, that's B-A-L-L-O-N-S-B-Y-B-U-K-K-Y. B-U-K-K-Y. Buki wants you to know that the visuals are for the eyes and the captions are for your heart. Yay! Oh my gosh, Buki! Hey, Bethany! Look at you! I'm so excited! I'm just happy to hear your voice! <laughs> Good. I'm happy to hear yours. It's been a while. I'm, I think it it says a lot that we're at this point where we can be doing this. I think it says a lot about the journey Girl. and where we are. So that's amazing. Girl, the journey. Lord have mercy. That is a whole nother oh, <laughs> like yeah? conversation. Okay. Buki okay. is a whole other conversation. The Girl. journey. this journey I'm just ready to be where I'm supposed to be at already yeah yeah yep there's always uh something new a new turn there's always a new challenge it's always something it's always something girl and And that's why I mean I'm just staying prayed up in these streets you know there's really no other way I don't believe there is another option at this point, at this juncture, <laughs> so I, I know I can only imagine what your journey has been. Oh, I did see that you all are doing CCG, which is amazing. Yes, girl. Like that it's, it's so that's cool. been a journey. That's been a journey for sure. Um, and I got to give you the backstory to that too. Just like of how that came about it's just truly um divine like the way ccg came about no one can tell me that it wasn't 
God, like it wasn't God ordained or it was just the perfect timing, the perfect everything. Mm. So I definitely got to give you props. I mean, not props. Yeah, I've explained to you everything that happened in regards to that. Then usually whenever I have a guest on, I always talk about how I know this guest or how I met this guest. So Mm. I know Buki because Buki was my roommate in college. Shout out to LMU. And I know some of y'all, I have my LMU guests on here. Look, I can't, don't be mad that LMU produces like rock stars. Like, don't be mad you produces just a great crop of people like everybody from black excellence. Black black excellence. excellence so I acknowledge other universities and people and whatever but LMU is where it's at so don't be mad um be supportive okay love y'all mm. um <laughs> but, <laughs> but Buki was uh, my one of my roommates so it was me Buki Saranda, shout out to Saranda. Yes. Um, and Julia. So yes. black girls, one white chick. Okay. Julia learned a lot living with Oh, she did. <laughs> oh, definitely. I do remember that. She definitely did. And like before I got on uh the pod with you, I was just thinking about just memories from way back then. And I mm. started thinking about just all the the conversations that we had, mm. the the uh, random dance parties that would happen. Um, yeah, oh yeah. People that would stop by our apartment. Shout mm. out to Serena, all sorts of people. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Because that was definitely a thing. Oh, Saranda. <laughs> well, she was definitely a meet the nations <laughs> is what I would say and I think that that transitioned and translated into what she pretty much does now so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yep. are, are there any moments or memories that stick out to you from that time well you know I think the thing about LMU I feel like you know when you're in college first of all college is hard I think that you know there's like the perception of partying and whatnot and it's definitely a lot of fun but college is definitely hard because it's such a a place where you're growing in your own identity yeah and you're learning a lot about yourself um so I don't know if I have a specific experience that comes to mind but when I think about LMU these days um, or reflect on that time like I feel like LMU was such a strong basis for um, I don't know like leading from the heart you know mm-hmm. um, that's what I really feel like stuck with me you know and and service for others and as I've like gone on I realized how like how much social justice was so central to that experience and and promoted in that experience and in that context um yeah so yeah even in this moment yeah I'm like there's a lot of different things but you know like you said there was like the random dance parties but it's funny to me because I'm like oh that's still me or there's those those are the aspects of me so that make I'm like well that's good to know 
and some things just never change. Yeah, that um, is so true. You know, but also just was like a really a uh, place where um, I also feel like, especially when I think about the last few years around just what's gone on. Um, I feel like, you know, LMU was, at least for me, like the woke before the woke, mm. you know, the idea that you are a crucial part of change and it's normalized and it's desired that you be engaged in that. Not to say we didn't have stuff go on over there because, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it was definitely um, a place where, you know, all the stuff that plays out now, I mean, it's a very uh, expensive university. Um, so, you know, we were still definitely, even as Black folks, I think, um, you know, still small in number, but definitely mighty. So I guess even when I think about it, um, I guess probably also if something that comes to mind that's memorable, I feel like, you know what I would say? So even before I started, you know, there was always the uh, overnight. I don't yeah. think it's like through, yeah. So the the Black student overnight. And I think that set me I think that that set me up. I think that had a profound impact on my experience. And, you know, the person who was my mentor during that experience, I, I still see her on IG and follow her on IG. And, you know, she's a parent now and has like, you know, had like, you know, 10 different lives. But even thinking about like her, her you know, the ways that they ensured that Black students were going to be taken care of, at least, you know, from the starting of that experience, at least it was a touch point. It was a connecting point. And I felt like led me to feel like I had these kind of like anchors of community. So mm -hmm. I would say the social justice aspects, literally people drank on Saturday night, baby. They went to mass on Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> That's what LMU was like, first of all. You know, so I just feel like they were like, you know, faith does not have anything to do with, um, like, faith was expansive. It wasn't like, oh, you have to be cutie cutter to, you know, to be faithful, so to speak. So I think that was a big part of LMU experience. And then I also think, like, you know, the idea of Black mentoring and Black mentorship and ensuring that um, as part of, core aspects of the experience of black students who want that and who desire for that um i hope they're still doing that i imagine they still are those were probably some of the most pivotal you know moments um and probably the things that i've carried with me that i feel like i can see traces of and or lines through even to what i do now how i'm how i engage in things now those are core things that are still with me so that's what I would say looking back on that time girl when you said drinking on Saturday and going to mass on Sunday child that is so true that's oh classic LMU that's like classic LMU that I'm sure that still goes on to this day <laughs> child people was <laughs> 
Hey, bro, it was like, wow. <laughs> yesterday doing, and I don't know what, but here you is, man. They would have, you know, it was full priest and everything, like, the next yeah. day. So, and people that would is- go to mass. Like, that was like, it wasn't even mandatory. It was like, just the culture. Like, yeah. go. So, even stuff like that, when you think about it, like looking back, I'm like, wow, you know, girl, that yes. is, so yep, you, you said justice, it right there. Liberal, liberal, maybe liberal arts. I'm not sure. College. Mm-hmm. Wow, mm-hmm. that's just also maybe quintessential Cali. I don't know. Thinking back that on too. It now. <laughs> that too. That too. <laughs> I'm sure that has uh, something to do funny. with it as well. Yeah, that's just so yeah. Um, but on this pod, I have talked about the importance of taking care of our mental health, and I've shared my journey on here. And so, just for the first part of our conversation, I wanted to ask you just a, a couple of therapy-related questions. Mm-hmm. And my first one, um. And these two questions I've always wanted to ask you. And the first one is, why did you decide to become a therapist? Girl. (laughs) 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 Oh, Lord. You know, I think I, if I'm honest with you, I think I decided to be a therapist because, girl, I needed therapy. Girl. I think that was honestly it. And actually my first therapist, essentially kind of was like yeah so and it was funny because you know I even my um my bestie here in Chicago who I've been best friends with now since you know grad school what 12 13 years ago um was like yeah even on grad upon graduation you was like I ain't even really trying to be a therapist I said dang girl even from then I was trying to do it like that (laughs) really oh my gosh and so and and that partially is because I had started um you know going to therapy in grad school and hmm, child my first therapist baby she was not a joke (laughs) (laughs) she was not a joke but I think that um a I needed therapy for myself Uh, b I think the space of folks who are um, within social justice communities and who appreciate nuance mm. um, are also attracted to being therapists. And so I think what it was good for, what it, what, how I got there, you know, I don't think it was all conscious at the time by any stretch, um, was that um, I wanted a community of like-minded people. I wanted to have discussions about going beneath the surface um Mm -hmm. and trust me and therapists will never let you down on that one baby they can be like on the ends on the ends 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 to the end end of the end okay (laughs) um that's that's kind of what it's like and so I what I do love um is being a part of the a community of healers is how I would probably define it more broadly now but at the time, I think I was looking for, you know, like-minded people, like-minded community where I could be safe 
and also find ways individually, personally, and also communal communally to express myself and to express my thoughts and not receive the feedback that, oh, you're too deep. So, you know, when I started my journey of being a therapist, you know, storyteller, story listener, um, you know, when you think about the oral traditions of, you know, of, of the African community and whatnot and you know, so on. And, and being what, 21, 22, even up to my mid 20s, late 20s, that's feedback that I got a lot from people in different social situations. You mm. know, this, and I think and when I think about it now, having more knowledge now, and I think even more awareness about how people conceptualize black women, um, and what we can do and what we're able to do. Um, I think that this idea of having nuanced or desiring nuanced conversation at 20 or 21 kind of put people off, you know, mm -hmm. um, people who felt uncomfortable, people who felt like it could, it was heavy. Um, you know, it wasn't heavy for everyone. Obviously, I used to have many and continue to have many great conversations with you and Saranda you know, um, and I, I think I've always felt at home in nuance with the black community. That's just me. I feel like, you know, black people could see you on the bus, baby. They'll tell you the whole life story and they'll be like, have a good day, sweetie. And I'll be like, goodbye. Thank you so much. You have a good one as well. Like, that's not uncommon at all. That's um, normalized, um, I think, in some ways. At least that's how I've experienced it. So, you know, I think those are the things that led me to that. I think ultimately was a desire for shared community. Um, mm -hmm. And also I had my college best friend, Sandra, who was a psych major and she and another um, Priya, I'm pretty sure it was Priya. They had both introduced me to, um, they, they were both psych majors or at least taking psych classes at the time. And based on the conversations we were having in my freshman year, they were like, you know, I think you should take these classes. And so even before going on to be a therapist in, you know, majoring in psych in undergrad, um, it, it was that was the beginning of like minded people with like minded conversation and feeling like the appreciation for the story. Um, I think it started there. I started with them. And those were like the first people I lived with. They were also part of our student worker group. Um, so, which was what we all did to kind of basically, you know, work our way through LMU and find a way to make it um, something that we could manage financially. And it was an amazing group of what, 24 people every year. So, yeah, they were, you know, even within the first month of being at LMU, if I backtrack a little bit, that was where it all started. And mm -hmm. then, you know, I kept going. And then actually, um, it's been interesting to kind of go back to revisit that journey um, because it's my plan to go to business school in a couple of years. I will go to business school in a couple of years um, because I actually was thinking about going into industrial organizational psychology or mm. marriage and family therapy. I ended up going the uh, marriage and family therapy route because the programs had more focused mentorship. And mm. that was important to me. Again, I think that that was something that I actually got 
uh, quite a bit of at LMU, whether it was from my professors within the psych, you know, department, um, Dr. Dr. Grills, Cheryl, Dr. Cheryl Grills. Come on now. Um, who has inspired many, 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 many people. I mean, she is like the Beyonce of psychology yeah. um, <laughs> in, in Southern California, you know, especially at the intersections of Blackness and community engagement. She is a heavy hitter. Shout out to you, Dr. Grills. Yeah. Man, I'm still in awe, okay? She's such a badass. She is a badass. And she was really, um, and I didn't even have like the closest relationship with her. It was just, you know what I mean? It was her aura. It was the way she led, you know, the the, the class I had with her, the times I was, she said, she was like, okay, y'all, you know, she just packed the punch. She She led by example. She led by example. She led by example. Um, yeah, so, she did. She yeah, did. yeah. So when you when I think about like all those things, right? Seeing what I felt in my close friendships, the conversations I enjoyed having, and having the right mentors. Then when it came time to choose, okay, what should I do to continue to promote my passion and to promote community? You know that I I chose those same principles. That's how I went for it. Gotcha. Yeah, that was how I got there. That was how I got there. And then when I got there, you know, I was like, not us in this room full of whites. (laughs) Um, trying to tell us, you know, what storytelling and storytelling means from their frame. And there was nothing wrong with their frame. It's just it wasn't the only frame. So I think that's when I was like, hmm. <laughs> um, and, and so the idea, it's interesting to me, the idea of being a therapist is something I've always had. Um, the name of therapist has always been something I've held kind of ambivalence about. Mm-hmm. Um, because... I don't think, from my view, fully captures um, what you can do um, in that work. You know, that work is healing work. It's spiritual work. It's ancestral work. It's godly work. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I think when people think of therapists, they have this idea of, you know, I don't know, somebody who doesn't um, give you advice or who just want you to talk about stuff without a solution. And I work and have worked with mostly um, people of color. Mm-hmm. And and that's not, they don't, they don't come there to, they do come to reflect, but they're like, so girl, what am I going to do? And I'm like, okay, girl, so look, um, <laughs> let me tell you what's going to happen here now based on these factors so I think I have always identified more with the term mentoring um you know or mentoring relationships um healing relationships that are therapeutic but not always fully resonated necessarily with the term therapist um just that's 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 personal it's not you know, uh, that doesn't have anything to do with like a knock on the professional. Each person identifies within it spirit, uh, differently. I'm say spiritually, but which is true. 
but differently in how they consider themselves. So that's what I would say. I would say I've always, um, and also one of the cool things in my own entrepreneurial journey um, is even like the last place I worked, uh, child, many things happened there. But, <laughs> um, uh, but something that I actually appreciated, and it was actually a great entrepreneurial experience and a learning experience. It was an experience around uh, being a black leader in particular. And so that also fueled my entrepreneurial journey quite a bit and, and, and focused me quite a bit. Um, but one of the things that I appreciated my co-boss at the time saying was that, uh, you know, I had an entrepreneurial um, and a coaching style of therapy. And I was like, you're right. You see, you, you do see this part of me, you mm-hmm. know, Right. You, know, you do see you do see me um, and you understand, at least in this regard, uh, how how expansive I I aim to be and hope to be. Um, you know, I'm not just talking about, you know, how do you feel? Um, it's it's not as simple as that, you know, and also for your listeners, your viewers, your fans. Let me tell you all something. If you are in therapy. And you feel like your therapist is not getting it, Mm-mm, baby. Go right back on the interwebs that are owned by Beyonce and all the other black <laughs> vine out there, and look up someone else. Therapy should be nuanced. It should make you feel like, damn, I'm just going through so much, and I don't know why this person is dragging me. But also, thank you. That's what therapy's <laughs> supposed to feel like. Um, and it's not to say every session is like boom, boom, boom. Um, but, you know, I always say to my clients, if it's not transforming you, if it's not, if the process isn't changing you, do something else. Do something else. So that's another thing I always want people to know. Therapy is not the only medium for healing, um, you know, and it, but it's about an intentional and guided process with someone who knows what they're doing. Okay, keyboard mm. knows what they're doing, who has practiced in what they do. Some people do like spiritual counseling. I know some people do Reiki. It's fine. Just do your research and know that this person knows what they're doing. Okay. So that's my, that's my soapbox <sighs> um, as a therapist and someone who has received therapy. You know, it's a it's a very, you know, it's a tender space and it should be respected. So yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for um for sharing all that. Mm-hmm. And thank you for letting people know that it's not the only path towards healing, but it is um as you said, intentionally mm-hmm. guided with somebody who knows what they're doing. Okay. And if you're not if you do not feel like you are getting what you need, you can find someone else, right? Um so I really um I really appreciate that. And you you kind of touched on my next question. Um, which is just your journey as a as a black therapist, and I know that you mentioned, you know, being in spaces where the perspective was not did not expand to everyone else, you know, that wasn't white. Mm. Um, and just mm-hmm. what has that journey been like? Yeah, you know, I think what's like amazing, interesting, um, is that within blackness 
for those who I think pursue its depths, um, which can be difficult, but definitely I believe is necessary. You just keep finding more nuance and you just be like, how? Um, (laughs) So I think that that's like been a big part of my journey. Like I, as I was saying in my last position, in my last role, um, I had started out actually, essentially my job was to support a small business owner and really was to co-run a business. I started off as the director of operations and then I moved on to be the COO. And all of that, I think, is part of the journey of Blackness within mental health and being a practitioner within mental health. Um, I think it's it, it parallels the experiences Black folks have in, in many spaces. You know, this idea of feeling um, past where a person might be having discussion or past where people are having discussion um, as it relates to the intersection of Blackness and the intersections of Blackness. And um, I would say like an area where I've, where I have felt personal growth um, in being in communities with other healers are at the intersections of gender and sexuality and understanding those within Blackness in much more expansive ways and understanding kind of the origins um, of having, I think, uh, kind of more nuanced thinking about how people understand themselves and express themselves in those regards, I think has been something I have actually really received from and, and, and some of that from um, my, my white colleagues and folks who are, you know, uh, just not, I wouldn't even say better versed, whose lived experience is having to explore those things, but also my other black colleagues who have also, whose lived experience and whose work centers on um, exploring those things, you know. Um, but I think that something that is true around Blackness in general, um, which is also what makes us so unique and so special and so wonderful and beautiful, is that, you know, we cannot rely on what is given and offered in terms of how we see ourselves and so as a Black therapist, as a Black person, although I can feel, you know, frustrated by it sometimes or saddened by it sometimes, I am so grateful um, that I ex- constantly and consistently experience myself as just getting to innovate and create. And then you think about like, you know, the diaspora and those those dance trends and just our fashion, our style, our movement, child, we always coming up with something. We don't have to have nothing to create something. So I think that um, for me as a Black therapist, um, because certain things haven't been offered um, in, in maybe broader spaces, I've had the privilege of of and 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 the necessity of seeking out mentors who have guided me um, specifically and also taught me how to innovate, right? I think that's the thing that is so special for me about the intersections of Blackness and being a therapist is like, you know, my mentors or people's mentors, they just be like, well, you know, do this, do that. They may open some doors for you, you know, but Black people will teach you how to think. They'll be like, baby, <laughs> You might want to think differently. 
And um, I think as far as my journey um, as a black therapist, I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention probably the two most important mentors in that regard and in general, um, which are my first therapist. I call her my OG therapist. I saw her on and off for years. She saw me grow up. I mean, you know, I even I think I even met with her before I got married. Um, you know, she knew me from the time I was 23. Um, and, and I actually still speak to her once a year. I just call her just because she's a grounder for me. But she was an amazing mentor. She never allowed me to feel like comfortable. She was always like, you know, you can think more deeply about this or you know, I think the thing, too, that was such a word from her, her, her whole message was like, you know, you thinking that, you know, gaining privilege, which is, of course, important and a necessary part of the fight, is going to um, reduce the need for nuance. She was like, girl, forget it. And don't let that be your goal. Um, I think mm. that's what has been the one of the guiding principles as a therapist and as a person. And so I think when I have conversations um, with my black clients and when I have conversations with myself, I remind myself of that. I, I have been grateful enough to access privileges and privileges will never be a substitute for nuance. So, you know, there you have it. That's my, uh, uh, that's my guiding principle. The, the current person I'm working with, um, who I call my mentorpist has been pivotal for me um, in understanding the intersections of black leadership in particular, um, using a mental health frame and also to be business minded um, and to understand how those weave in and out of each other. So, and I've, that's someone I've been working with. I've been working with him for a few years now. He, you know, he has a lot of amazing life experience and, um, is just very gifted at what he does. So both my therapists have happened to be, uh, well, yeah, one of both, I think of, well, well, they both identify within the Caribbean diaspora, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like um, your journey as a black therapist mirrors um, other journeys of black people who are, you know, navigating in a specific space where mm -hmm. you mentorship is important, right? Finding those people who mm -hmm. you can commune with and learn from um, mm. is definitely important. And then it speaks to the need to create and, and mm. innovate. And I, I wanted you to clarify something when you were talking about your privilege doesn't take away the nuance. So what does that mean? Yeah, so I think like, you know, I for me, one aspect of my life that I think has changed a lot in the last few years that has um, brought on that is, it, it, oh, that has that has given me a lot of privileges in the last few years is, is being is getting partnered and specifically, you know, um, obviously, like my rent is reduced. Right. Or I'm able to maintain a certain rent, uh, uh, like living expenses, shared living expenses. I um, have this now extended network of people that are on his side of the family, in particular in Chicago, that serve as, you know, a really st strong support network, um, you know, and also give me expanded access to my 
to my cultural roots and connection, food, music, activities, all of that, which was harder for me um, when I was in Chicago through my 20s. And that being said, um, you know, having financial relief, um, not having the same experiences of dating in the same way, which, you know, can be very rich, but also rejecting. Um, it doesn't mean that now, okay, so it, it everything's good. I don't have to think about, okay, what, you know, the state of things anymore, or I can just be comfortable, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that white supremacy says that, like, the goal is to reach a certain amount of comfort um, and so that you can kind of disengage. It's not your problem anymore, right? Certain mm-hmm. things just aren't your problem anymore. Um, and, and, and also just to be clear that you people also just need a certain amount of money and income to be okay, right? Like in Chicago, that number happens to be $50,000 a year. That's based on research in order for people to basically not be in survival mode mm-hmm. that, you know, so th- these things have a number is not, you know, so I just to, to be clear. So those are things that have changed in my life that have brought more ease. Um, and at the same time, having more ease, which I'm grateful for, does not mean that now, um, you know, I, I can disengage or, I don't need to engage or, oh, that's not a struggle I go through. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, You know, like that's not, um, that's not my vantage point. I don't really, you know, and and I, I think in my, in my twenties when I wanted so much relief from a lot of the stressors I was experiencing, it's not that I didn't want to, um, continue to be nuanced. I think I just had this fantasy that, once I got certain versions of relief, you know, that I wouldn't have to think about blackness anymore. And mm. um, my OG therapist was like, mm-hmm, think again. And also <laughs> was just like, just to be clear, that's not the goal. Just understand that. So, mm. yeah, yeah, hopefully that's more that's clarifying. Good. You know, um, I guess something in that that's helped me is understanding that accessing privilege actually means having more opportunity for nuance and doing what you can to also further engage people in nuance with the with the new privileges that you have to the extent that you can right yeah right absolutely no thank you for um for clarifying that and I think that's that that's so real because many of us think, okay, yes, we have gained a certain amount of privilege. We have these comforts and we feel like we can disengage and sometimes do our best to disengage because we don't want to think about that. We don't want to be exposed to any, any of that anymore. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm gone. I don't want to look back type of situation sometimes. And it's like, that's never, that should never be the case, right? Yeah. And, and I think when people disengage or even when I want to disengage, it's because I'm like, I don't want to go back to that place of pain, um, you know, or back to that feeling of scarcity. And so I'm learning that, you know, abundance um, is is it, my my own abundance that I curate 
with the help of God and my community, you know, is what's going to give me the, the stamina to continue to engage, you know? Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. That's what I would say. I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much. And now that we've talked about your your first passion or one of your passions, I'm excited to talk about uh, the second passion that you have, which is your balloon decor and event styling business. Now, I have to say, mm. when I was on the gram and I was scrolling and I saw your um, business, which we'll get into, I was like, yes, it makes sense, right? It, I was just like, yes, this this feels right. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, this, this makes sense. Like, um, it's interesting that you say, you know, in the beginning, how maybe therapy wasn't on your your list of priorities to do or to become. But it's like living with you, I could totally see that because of the many conversations that we would have that were nuanced mm. and your desire to um, to understand and mm. to connect. And so it just, it totally made sense to me why you were on that path. And so when I learned about um, Balloons by Buki, I was like, I can see this as well because I was introduced or I saw your creative side mm. also living with you. So I want you to tell all the peeps, what is Balloons by Buki and what was the inspiration behind it? Yes. Well, thank you. And I'm, I'm, I appreciate your reaction. I think some people are like, Buki started a new career. And I'm like, well, um, <laughs> it's like, if you, if you do know me, right. I mean, if you had spent any version of time with me, then you kind of get the whole package because, you know, even, even as a therapist, I really am a clown. I play a lot. I'm a goofy, like, and I, I joke a lot. And most importantly, I love to encourage and be encouraged, you know. And um, so I'm just sort of translating that to a different medium. I think it's very connected to the journey of being a Black therapist. And I think it, it all connects to my roots, right? So when I think about myself in college and now I think about the idea of nuanced conversations and dance parties is like the same, the same bookie. Something that I love about um, African culture is that, you know, you don't really need a reason to have a party. You can be <laughs> like, you know what? It's been a hard week and you can call over at least, I, I think this is in the diaspora. This might not, I don't think this is just Africans. This is diaspora in general. You can call over 20 people and just have a party just because. Um, and so I think the idea of celebrating the journey is something that has always been inspired by my roots, my Nigerian roots in particular, and not having shame around, you know, um, around celebrating someone. So, you know, as I've gotten more connected to my culture in the last uh, six, seven years, I would say, and, and just being able to connect to the Nigerian community, you know, when you go to parties, it's not uh, abnormal for there to be a poster, a full-size portrait poster of somebody that is like, you know, six to eight feet tall. <sighs> like, that's not 
that's not strange at all. This is very common on the continent. And so for me, I was like, wow, this is us. This is where we get that innovation from. You know, we don't have, we, we're not hesitant to celebrate. Um, and so I, I thought about that and I thought about how that's related to um, my journey with my clients and how as a therapist, there are so many um, moments that you get to celebrate with people that are intimate um, and that also might not be celebrated. And so Balloons by Buki um, is about getting to celebrate, you know, the journey and we're capturing a moment. So obviously I do the balloons because I love the styling aspect of it. I love the creativity aspect of it. I like creating content. Um, and I, and I, for me, I, I find it aligned um, with not feeling like, you know, limited. Um, you know, therapy is, it's a, it's, a, it's a tender space and it's a confidential space, you know. Um, with balloons, it's like, whatever, you know, I was out mm -hmm. here with these people and, and I appreciate the tenderness of therapy and it's, and it's necessary, you know, and also, um, I, I, I want a medium and it was looking for a medium that allows me to go to all kinds of different places. Some of the most amazing jobs I've had in Chicago and something I've loved about living in Chicago is that I've gone to a lot of different neighborhoods within Chicago but also in Chicagoland area. And so in moving into the private practice space, um, you know, it was more rich in depth, um, but not as rich in terms of the amount of variety I get to see, you know, because I'm seeing the same people and building relationships with them. I'm not going around in the city as much. And so Boons by Buki is about, you know, the expansiveness of celebration, the expansiveness of celebrating moments that, um, you know, may or may not be typically highlighted. The other piece of it is that uh, my bestie uh, got into one of the top business schools in the world. And, you know, people were saying to her, oh, let's, let's go to lunch. Let's go to lunch. And I was like, okay, that's a really weird reaction. For this <laughs> being like, an amazing feat. And mind you, she parallel has been in mental health from you know, over a decade, you know, has like paid off her loans, you know, it was actually finally her opportunity to get to have choice. And so I was like, how bizarre that people just want to take her to lunch. And I don't think that we're trying to be negative or anything like that. But I think, you know, we have our checklist of what what we celebrate, what we do balloons for, what we throw a party for, you know, graduations, uh, partnerships, whatever. And so I was like, well, that's weird. So I'm going to throw you something because this is monumental. Um, and I'm not going to shade nobody, but I'm definitely going to do this because this is huge. You know, was marking the chapter, um, you know, the next chapter of her journey, you know, and also, I thought it was important to celebrate a milestone, essentially, since she'd gotten married. Um, granted, we had been in the pandemic. We hadn't celebrated any milestones for her. So, hence, lunch seemed strange. You know, meanwhile, I think that we, we do place a lot of emphasis on things that we feel permission to celebrate, like, you know, baby showers, bachelorettes, bachelor parties, whatever. 
and maybe not as much permission to celebrate in the same full out way. Um, you know, things like, you know, sometimes ending a partnership or a relationship that is not working, leaving a job that was really hard for you to leave, you know, but is best for you on your journey, all these kinds of things, you know. Um, and so that's what I'm hoping to get to right now. I'm, I'm finding and discovering the nuance in this new industry. And so, of course, I'm more than happy to celebrate um, just, you know, different milestones, people's birthdays and stuff like that. It still brings me joy. Um, and so it's not like I won't be doing that. Like, you know, feel free to send me requests, please. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not denying business, you know. Um, but even within that, something that I do specifically is I ask people about the story um, or the journey of getting to that event or that moment that we're capturing and so under the captions of my posts, that's what I typically have um, is, is sharing their, their little snap piece on what their journey was um, and what this moment means to them, you know, and for that to get to be shared, you know, of course, with their permission and in ways that make them feel okay, you know, everything is done consensually and they have a sense of what I'm going to say, you know, um, but it's also another way for me to get to share like the stories that I hear, you know, um, other ones in relationships that are, you know, personal or within the realm of their therapeutic relationship, I can't share in the same way. So yeah, that's kind of what this venture is about. It's about the parallel journey of expressing myself, of celebrating my own gifts, of illuminating, um, you know, my own story and thereby, um, the stories of others, you know, uh, for all the ups and downs and the nuances in their own journey. I love it. I love it. Right? Like, <laughs> we can sell it. Like, let's celebrate this shit, y'all. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, life has been what it's been, especially for these past couple years, right? So it's like, Let's celebrate all these all these steps, no mm -hmm. matter if you deem them to be, you know, big or small. The fact is, it's a step, right? Something great happened. Something good happened. Um, a shift has happened. A new season is beginning. And you don't need uh, permission to celebrate, right? Um, fuck society. You know what I'm saying? You, right. cel you celebrate. You know right. what I'm saying? Right, and right. I just love that that that's what you're highlighting and it's mm -hmm. it's um it's honoring the journey and I think it's it's helping to teach other people to to honor their journey so I think it's great you know Mhm mm Yeah and you know I think about like you know what you were saying earlier about CCG group and um you were saying to me offline before about CCC CCG group and just the journey of creating that mm -hmm. and doing something for the community. And those are the things we're celebrating when you get to live out your own mission and purpose. Ultimately, that's the that's the truest celebration. Sometimes that comes in the form of a birthday party. You're celebrating your existence. You know, sometimes you start something new um, where people are, you know, you're connecting with people. You're offering something, you're offering them a, a, a part of you. Um, that's the kind of stuff that like, you know, speaks to me. So I'm looking forward to, um, 
also, um, yeah, connecting with other entrepreneurs and highlighting their stories. So we're going to see how I get it all done, but I'm very excited for this chapter. I'm learning more things about myself and, um, you know, I appreciate you for having me and letting me share my story and connecting with me. And, you know, even this conversation has been good to kind of put it out, piece it all together in a new way and to reflect on the journey. So I appreciate you for that. Oh no, the, the pleasure is all mine. And my, my final question Mm. is what have you learned as an entrepreneur slash creative that you would not have learned as a therapist Mm. and vice versa? You know, I think the thing, um, <laughs> okay, this is this is just me, okay? And I'm just prefacing saying that. The thing is, like, there's, a, there's some parallels, but I think it's also different. So as a therapist or, and as a person in therapy who has gone to therapy, there's this aspect of vulnerability, you know? And um, it's like you're sharing things, you're discovering things and whatnot. The thing about being an entrepreneur is like, and in therapy, you might, you know, you might fail, so to speak, in that you might discover something and be like, damn, that's me. Um, you know, so there's, <laughs> there's that, you know, but the thing about being an entrepreneur that I have discovered, I would say even in my last experience um, before just, you know, starting my own business, but definitely also in this business is like, man, you will fail. Let me tell you. <laughs> you know the amount that version it's a different kind of vulnerability you know like the there's a lot of ups and downs and so I think I'm learning more about failure and I'm I'm learning how and it's been a journey for a while like you have to be so comfortable with failure as an entrepreneur because that is the only way to be successful and that is what success is it's like a million failures and, 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 and failure in the sense that like, maybe it didn't go the way you thought it was going to go. Maybe you thought it was going to be this, but now it's, you've got, you know, now it's going to have to be like this. Maybe you don't know how a product is going to turn out and, um, you know, or how, what you created, is it going to work? Or I don't know, the balloon's going to get here, child. I don't know, Lord, please. Um, you know, I have definitely tracked an Amazon delivery all day and all night. Um, you know, so it's just, it's stuff like that. But I think that's the one thing that I'm sure is true for all entrepreneurs and doing anything is like, man, that, that, the failure, people might not like it. People may see it. People may, you know, your, your, your failures are are a little bit more on display. Um, and there's, and that's okay. So I think, you know, it's, it's, it's being like, you know what? I didn't even if it didn't go right even if I messed it up even if it's like you know what there's something in that picture I don't know but being okay with not engaging in perfectionism is probably a new version of a a lesson I've known before but definitely different as an entrepreneur and managing perfectionism is a totally different ball game as an entrepreneur um, because there are a lot more factors and there's variety and you know less you can control Girl, you know, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's what I would say. (laughs) Yeah, that is so real. That's Mm -hmm. so true. And I think in my 
um, journey or you know, exploration as entrepreneur, being okay with failure, being okay with things not going uh, as you think that they should, right? The mm-hmm. learning to surrender and not be in mm-hmm. control, child, that mm-hmm. is a lesson for that yeah. ass. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's a lesson for sure. Mm-hmm. And um, I appreciate you being, you know, open and honest about that per usual. And I mm-hmm. think this is the perfect place to put a pause. Yeah. And my friends, we will be right back with our final epiphany. All right, so we're back. And now we are going to close with any final epiphanies, final thoughts. So I will uh, pass it off to Buki. Any final thoughts? I mean, final epiphanies about uh, therapy or being an entrepreneur or balloons by Buki, anything that comes to mind? Yeah, I would say, you know, my... My final thought is that in all this, and this is what I was thinking about the other day, actually, um, because, you know, I actually never used to be on social media, as many who know me will know. Um, I'd actually had 18 posts since 2012. So, you know, I was essentially dead. I was one of those social media creepers. Um, is that what I realized um, in the parallels and being a therapist and being an entrepreneur is it's about engagement and not the engagement of other people to you, of you with others. And so your platform may change, your mindset may change, your avenues may change, you know, but I think seeking um, to be engaged with yourself and with yourself and the nuance um, through faith and through your community will never lead you astray. So those are my final thoughts. Epiphany. Thank you, friend. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love it. And I appreciate it. Um, as far as my epiphany, um, it kind of connects with balloons by Buki. I was, I just love this, the, the idea, uh, the focus, the intention of, of celebrating. And when I think about my life, my journey, when I think about my 20s, mm. I just think about how I wish I had celebrated more. Mm. I spent so much time worrying, so much time comparing, so much time in doubt, like, is this the right thing? Am I going the right path, right? Just questioning everything to the point where I I wish I were happier mm. during that time. Mm. And I made a decision like, okay, I'm in my 30s, like focus on being happy, right? And 2020 happened, 2021 happened, mm. and shit mm. just fell through. <laughs> and so I'm on this journey again of of not just healing but uh focusing on joy and yes. bringing joy into my life. So if there's mm-hmm. any epiphany I have is mm. for y'all to celebrate yourselves, celebrate your life, 
um, don't wallow. Don't, please don't waste your time wallowing. Don't waste your time in deep worry, anticipating something that will be bad that happens, right? I want you to focus your energy on on all that's good, on all, on all there is to be grateful for, on all that there is to celebrate. Um, your time is better spent doing that. Take it from me. Um, you don't want to, you don't want to waste that time. Um, so I hope that you will, you will heed and that you will move accordingly. So that is, is my epiphany. I want to thank Buki for coming on. Thank you for blessing the pod. Thank, thank you for you. blessing the combo. Thank you. Thank you so much. I am so happy um, to continue to be a friend to you, to have known you, and even more importantly, to be in community with you um, and many others who embody Black excellence and striving not for, not for perfection, but to stay engaged in the process and in our progress. So thank you again. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right, everybody, stay cool, stay safe, and I'll catch you on the next one. Hey, friends, thanks for listening. Please tune in every other Monday for a new episode of I Am Epiphany. You can learn more about me, Bethany Epiphany, at BethanyEpiphany.com or follow me on Instagram at B Epiphany. That is B E P I. F-A-N-I. Until next time, everybody, peace.